0: Well, as you know, we've been preaching through the Gospel of John. And this morning, we're at John chapter 20, verse 19. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it's Easter. <laughs> it's Easter! But the disciples don't know it. Peter and John had been to the tomb and found it, 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 found it empty. But according to John, um, they still didn't understand. They didn't understand the Scripture. It's Easter, but they don't know it. Not yet. So, so verse 19... On the evening of that day, Easter, the first day of the week, Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear, fear of the Jews. That's quite a picture, the disciples. Probably uh, the 12, minus Judas and uh, Thomas, who's a week late. We'll find out next week. Uh, The 12, like 12 tribes, the new Israel, the church, together in a room in Jerusalem, and they are Jerusalem. They are the the new Jerusalem. It's the church locked in a room as the sun goes down, locked down in, in fear, in fear on Easter, on Easter, fear of the Jews, Now in John, the Jews doesn't refer necessarily to a nationality. It's a religious system of rewards and punishment. It's justifying yourself according to the law in the power of the flesh for fear of the Jews. And check this out, these guys are Jews. They had taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had tried to fulfill the law and the power of their flesh and now they hide their hearts imprisoned in fear. But it's Easter! It's Easter! And they don't know it. On Friday, Jesus had been crucified on a tree in a garden, as John puts it. Satan ravaged him, and he descended into hell. John tells us, 1 John 5, 19, that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know, did you know that's what the Scripture says? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. What? Well, the disciples, they're they're locked down in fear and shame. First day of the week. Kind of reminds me of us in in some ways, which kind of reminds me of a movie.
1: When I was a child, my mother would tell me a story about how the devil roams the earth. Sometimes, she said, he would take human form so he could punish the damned on earth before claiming their souls. the ones he chose would be gathered together and tortured as he hid amongst them, pretending to be one of them. I always believed my mother was telling me an old wives' tale.
0: You hold that? I'm sorry.
1: Thanks for your help. Don't mention it.
0: Oh, oh, this is not good. If you see one horror movie, you really ought to see that one. <laughs> devil. group of people get stuck on an elevator with the devil. <laughs> that sucks really does (laughs) stuck on an elevator with the devil or at least that's what ramirez the guard tells the detective for you see not only is the elevator stuck but every time the lights go out somebody dies in the elevator and each person is suspect for each person is harboring a secret in other words each person is already imprisoned in fear the guard and the detective Uh, Well, they can't uh, get into the elevator and yet they can communicate with the elevator through the sound system and they can watch what's happening in the elevator through the security camera except, of course, when the lights go out and somebody dies. Ramirez, the guard, says, it's the devil. Detective Bowden says, no, it's us.
1: Detective? I see. That's what you're talking about? Everybody believes in him a little bit. Even guys like you who pretend they don't. What's this? An apology note left at the site of a hit and run. My wife and son were killed out on Bethlehem Pike five years ago, but. That's okay, because whoever did it is sorry. You can tell by the heartfelt apology on the back of a car wash coupon. So, no, I don't believe in the devil. We don't need him. People are bad enough by themselves.
0: Devil or us? Maybe it's both. Well anyway, people keep dying in the elevator. Maybe you've noticed we're kind of like stuck here on this planet and people keep dying. And maybe you've noticed that we all lie to ourselves and we all live in fear and check this out. It's not just, it's not just the people in the elevator that are stuck.
1: This is what he does. He wants us to doubt everything. How would I do it? Do what? According to your story, how would I save them? There's no easy answer. I mean, you're never gonna get these people to see themselves as they really are. Because it's the lies that we tell ourselves that introduce us to him. Look at what you're doing. Don't think just because I'm a cop, I don't know what you're going through right now. I've been to hell. Six months ago, I... checked into a hotel and I nearly drank myself to death.
0: Hell. From the start of the story, we know that Detective Bowden is still... Stuck there. He's trapped in resentment toward the unknown man that killed his, his wife and his young son. At the start of the movie, his sponsor with AA tells him, Bowdoin, you need to forgive. Well anyway, the disciples are locked in a dark room in fear. Jesus has just been crucified and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And it's Easter! (laughs) But the disciples don't know it yet. On the evening of that day, Easter, the first day, Sunday, of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace. In Hebrew, it's the word shalom. It was a common greeting, but it's much more than that. Um, um, Peace, uh, shalom, it means everything as it should be, like on the seventh day of creation. Uh, Shalom, Jerusalem, Jerusalem means city of peace. Jesus is prince of peace. Jesus walks through locked doors and says, hey, guys, (laughs) peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even so I send you peace. Think about it. Even now, that just seems, seems crazy. Peace. Peace. You know, people often wonder, what's the point of the sermon, Pastor? What's the point of the sermon? Well, here's the point. Okay, you ready? Here's the point. It's like you're locked on an elevator with the devil. Everybody's dying. Jesus appears and says, have peace. <laughs> That's the point of the sermon, peace. <laughs> well, why, 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 why should they have peace? I mean, they're already stressed. And now, Jesus, he, he walks through the wall, hands the ministry over to them, shows them his, his wounds, and says, Pe-. I mean, that ought to stress them out even more, right? I mean, wouldn't that kind of stress you out? Think about it. Number one, they have no control. In that day especially, stone walls and locked doors meant control. Every major city was a walled city. Stone walls and locked doors. They were locked in and Jesus walks through the wall. Walks through the wall. He doesn't even use the door. He is the door. Check this out. He is more real, more solid than reality. He's not a metaphor. If anything is a metaphor, we're the metaphor. Creation is the metaphor he's the word but the word is more solid than all creation so all at once the disciples realize that all of their control is illusion and their world is entirely upside down what seems solid is actually empty what seems empty is actually solid the first or the last and check this out the last is the first all at once they realize control is just an illusion and privacy is a myth that we tell ourselves. The day you realize that, you will feel profoundly violated. Or perhaps, if you know him, profoundly loved. Jesus says, peace. Well, one, they have no control, and two, they have thoroughly failed. I mean, just three nights earlier, They had been arguing over who was the greatest, who was the first, even as Jesus broke the bread and poured the wine. Each of them vowed to offer their life for Jesus, yet all abandoned Jesus as Jesus offered his life for them. And and you see, it's not just them that have failed. Psalm 51, too, it's also us. After And check this out, after seducing Bathsheba, and murdering her husband, King David writes this, oh God, against you and you alone, against you and you alone have I sinned. You know, if you take, if you take from another person, you take from a taker, you take from someone who has already taken fruit from the tree, you take from a thief, If if you take uh, from another, you take from someone who's already taken fruit from the tree, but Jesus is the fruit on the tree. He's the good. He's the life. All sin is against him. So you see, it's not just them. It's us. All sin is against him our sin is the cause of his wounds and and now they see his wounds the day you see them you will feel profoundly ashamed or perhaps if you know him profoundly forgiven jesus appears and says peace have peace. They have no control, they have been utter failures, and check this out, number three, they are entirely insufficient for what he's going to ask, ask them to do, or what, what he seems to be asking them, but what he says to them. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, even so I send you. Yeah! First John 3, 8, he appeared to destroy the works of the devil. John four forty two. he is the Savior of the world. Saving the world and destroying the works of the devil seems like an awful lot of responsibility, right? I mean, these guys should be the greatest, biggest, largest stress monkeys on the entire planet, shouldn't they? You know, I've discovered that most American Christians seem to think that God wants to save. But he really can't save. So he needs us to convince folks to choose to be saved or he'll have to torture them endlessly after they die. So in effect, he's not the Savior. We're the Savior. Saving people from him. Well, saving people for God and from God all at the same time because you're the Savior is profoundly stressful. Ah! As the Father sent me, so send I you. I mean, the day you hear that, you will be utterly consumed with anxiety. Or perhaps, if you know him, profound gratitude and peace. He appears to these disciples and says, peace, have peace. And then he shows him his wounds saying, so, so, so send I you. Do you realize that every one of those disciples, I looked this up, every one of the disciples, uh, according to like Fox's Book of Martyrs, the best we can tell, every one of the disciples would be crucified, hung, beheaded, skewered, or beaten to death, except of course, John, who's tortured, they try to boil him in oil, he escapes and is exiled to the prison island of Patmos. Every, every one of them have peace. but this will hurt. It'll hurt. Do you think something's wrong when life hurts? Do you think something's wrong when you're rejected? Jesus shows them his wounds and proclaims peace, peace. And now check this out. He's proclaiming peace to Jerusalem. 700 years before, Isaiah prophesied saying this, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. On that prison island of Patmos, John has a vision and he sees that the disciples are the new Jerusalem, the twelve, the new Jerusalem. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Isaiah goes on to explain in chapter 6 that God doesn't just redeem Jerusalem's sins he uses her sins to give her double for everything that she's lost Isaiah 60 he says in wrath I struck you but in my favor I have had mercy on you your gates your gates shall be open continually day and night they shall not be shut so Jesus Prince of Peace speaks peace to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of peace. These ten disciples locked in the dart in fear with the doors shut. On Easter, have peace. Next verse. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Remember that God breathed his Spirit into you on the sixth day of creation and you became a living being a person that's then that you become a living being and remember jesus delivered up his spirit on the sixth day of the week as he hung on the tree in the garden and remember what paul taught no one can confess jesus is lord or cry abba father except by the power of that spirit he breathed on them saying receive the holy spirit now check this out they will be baptized They will be immersed in the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and speak in tongues. That happens. That also happens. But if you think that the Holy Spirit is just about speaking in tongues and neato tricks that you can do at church or show off with at parties, well, then you just really don't don't understand. What is spirit? What is my spirit? Well, I think my spirit is who I am, really. I am my spirit. It is I that observes me. Remember, we've talked about that. It's I that makes choices which create me. And now listen to St. Paul. It is no longer I that live. (laughs) But Christ, who lives in me, his spirit in me, a new me, a faithful me, his spirit in me, choosing. (laughs) Choosing what? Next verse, 23. If you forgive the sins of anyone... They are forgiven. They have been forgiven. They are forgiven. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they, they are f- f- forgiven. If you forg- I mean, what a bizarre statement I, I, on so many levels. Yeah, it's almost funny. <laughs> if, if, you, if you forgive, well, who are you? Who is me to forgive? I, I mean, if I walk up to you and say, behold, I have good news all your debts are forgiven (laughs) all your debts are forgiven you you might say well gosh that's that's really nice but I think the Bank of America my mortgage company and the Visa Corporation might beg to differ with you because you see I owe them not you I owe them in fact I think they they basically own my house my car they they kind of own me but do they I mean, if God is the creator of everything, how could anyone claim ownership of anything? According to Scripture, anything you think that you've earned and thus you think you own is something that you've actually stolen from God. And because you think that, it proves you're a thief. So anyway, when David wrote, against you and you alone have I sinned, you see, I think he actually means it. He didn't steal Bathsheba from Uriah. For Bathsheba never belonged to Uriah. He actually didn't steal life from Uriah, for Uriah's life didn't belong to Uriah. He stole from God. We all have, and we all do. And what we steal is ourselves. And that's called pride. Pride. We take credit for our own creation, our choice, which then makes that choice a bad choice, which is called sin, actually original sin. In other words, we make ourselves the judge. Taking knowledge of good and evil on the tree to judge ourselves and then judge God. Trying to make our life by taking his life on the tree, we crucify Christ on the tree. Original sin. The sin of the world. The sin of the world. But check this out John's gospel starts with this statement Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, maybe he really can take away the sin of the world, because all sin is against him. For against him and him only have we sinned. See, we have each stolen our life from God. And yet on the cross, God gave his life to us. As Jesus cried, Father, forgive them, and it is finished first john chapter 2 verse 2 he is the propitiation the satisfaction the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only but the sins of the whole world well anyway how can i forgive sins if all sin is against jesus well i suppose only if jesus is in me forgiving those sins right but then it gets even weirder than that how can i forgive sin if they have already been forgiven at the cross well i guess peter hyatt really can't forgive sin and cancel all debts and and yet peter hyatt does get he does get this privilege he gets to announce to the world all debts are forgiven Wow! That, I mean, that is like really good news, right? You and It's the gospel! It's gospel! Gospel! It's good news! And unless, of course, you think a bunch of people are indebted to you. Unless, of course, you think that you have the ability to justify yourself before God. Well, anyway, Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. Past tense. Happened at the cross. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Withheld. Withheld from from who? Well, maybe you, uh, not just them. Perhaps them and perhaps you. I mean, Jesus said, if we don't forgive, we aren't forgiven. And yet, how can that be if forgiveness happened at the cross where the Lamb of God took away the sin of the world and cried, It is finished. How can that be? Marcus Bart, who uh, was Carl Bart's son, used to tell this story to the seminary students in his class where he was a professor. It went something like this. Years ago, a group of thieves robbed a bank in Florida. Running from the police, they abandoned the gold for it was just too much to bear. They escaped to the Everglades, where they hid in the darkness, in the swamp, in in fear. Meanwhile, there was a trial. The judge found them guilty, but then commuted the sentence and offered a full pardon. That was the judge's judgment. Grace. Grace. They sent messengers to find the men and deliver the word from the judge, "You're free, you're forgiven. You're free." Yet every time the messengers got close to the thieves, heard the bloodhounds barking in the swamp, they head further and further. They ran deeper and deeper into the swamp. And then Marcus Bart would ask his students this: Were those men free? Were those men forgiven? Because you see, those men are us. But we didn't just steal gold. We stole our lives. By taking Christ's life. And he's the judge. And the judge issued judgment. We took his life, and yet he gave his life. His judgment is grace and now he sends word, I have borne your griefs, I have carried your sorrows, and uh, the Lord has laid on me the iniquity of all." But every time he gets close, we hide deeper in the trees, lost. You know, Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost the apollolos, the perished, the destroyed. I see no evidence in Scripture that he ever stops. He even descends into hell, into every dark little prison of shame and fear where he reveals his wounds and he romances the lost to surrender their lies to the truth, and he is the truth. To surrender their sin to the light, and he is the light. To surrender their fear to love, the mere idea of love, the sacrifice of self for another. He romances the lost to surrender their self, which was stolen, that which was stolen, that prison of fear. And even though we hide in that prison, even though we hide in that swamp, he's the Lord of the swamp and even the critters in the swamp. You know, he came to destroy the works of the devil, and he even uses the devil to do just that. Paul even told the church in Corinth uh, uh, to deliver a man up to the devil. Why? For the destruction of the flesh, for the destruction of that prison of fear, for the destruction of flesh that he might be saved on the day of the Lord, that he might surrender his prison of pride and believe the word of grace.
1: Come on, breathe, right there, come on, breathe Breathe, Breathe. Breathe. come on, breathe. Breathe. Ah. (laughs) Who are you? Today, I'm an old woman Are you ready for your turn, Anthony? Take me I intend to No, take me instead I deserve this You don't believe that Yes, yeah, I do It's all my fault. You think you can make some kind of bargain? Take me instead, please. Stop saying that! Channel 8. I I, I killed a mother and her her son on Bethlehem Pike five years ago. Uh, It it was a hit and run. I'm so sorry.
0: confesses his sins, and the devil says, damn, I really wanted you, and disappears. You see, when we confess ourselves, our sin, the devil loses his game. The devil is the accuser, and yet, check this out, our sin has been taken away. So you see, it's only faithlessness and fear, our faithlessness and our fear, that holds us in the prison. And likewise, it's only faith in grace, and God is grace, that sets us free. So when we confess, when we confess that what? That we don't deserve life, that we in fact stole our life, that we can't create our own life. When we confess grace, when we confess that we don't deserve life, we can finally receive life for what it is, a gift. And Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life, and everything that's anything is a gift. Now, I'm going to say something that I've said before, and I think if we really got this, it would change absolutely everything. Everything that's anything is grace. God is love. And all reality, then, comes by grace. And we are created by grace. But if we think that we create ourselves, we desecrate ourselves. We uncreate ourselves. Lying to ourselves and thus trapping ourselves in nowhere and nothingness, in condemnation and death, when all around us is grace. When all around us is Easter. But we don't know it. Because we're trapped in fear, for we believed a lie. Well, at least we gather together, huh? I mean, at least we're doing this. At least we gather together on the first day of the week, like those disciples 2,000 years ago, afraid of losing control, terrified we've already failed, afraid that we are insufficient. We gather together in fear on the first day of each week, and, and we hear the word of the Lord, have peace. And then what happens? Jesus shows us his wounds, body broken and blood shed, Gosh, that would be utterly terrifying, wouldn't it? I mean, if that, if that, that could be, like, utterly terrifying, except, except it's him, Jesus. And we're beginning to know him, who he is. So we have no control, but God is in control. We have failed But God has not failed. In fact, our failure reveals His grace. It was a plan from the foundation of the world. Our failure reveals His grace. And He is grace, and now we're beginning to know Him. And we are insufficient, but God is entirely sufficient. In fact, God has already won. is finished we took his life and yet he gave his life he forgave his life so at the cross our sin was taken away and at the cross christ gave us his spirit the will the will to choose grace and the will to return that which was stolen ourselves our dead selves and at the cross according to john in the words of jesus he draws all men all people unto himself and so jesus says peace. God is in control. God is Jesus. And look, God is grace. Jesus says, peace. As the Father has sent me. And and the Greek implies that he's still in that state of sentness. He's not done being sent. As, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. So send I you. On the island of Patmos in that vision that we now call the Revelation. John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and check this out it looks like the old Jerusalem and yet it's entirely new it's not made by human hands it's 100% grace it has 12 foundations and 12 gates John saw it coming down in like 85 90 AD something like that he saw it present tense coming down in 90 AD and yet it's still coming down today it started that very first Easter in that dark closed room where Jesus appeared it's Started the first it's the city of peace Jerusalem Jerusalem the church and check this out the gates are always open the gates are always open in a fallen world that's dangerous in a fallen world That could hurt. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Jesus is the open door, and yet Jesus is crucified. Grace can get you crucified. For this world hates grace. For this world runs on debts and fear. And so the proclamation of grace will get you crucified, and forgiveness itself always forms a wound. But check this out. Look at his hands. Look at his side. Grace wins. Love wins. In fact, it's how the kingdom comes. It is how our Lord conquers. Father O'Malley was working late one night, Grass Valley, California, on his sermon for Sunday morning when he got a call. The woman on the other end of the line said, I, I'm a nurse down in Auburn, and we have a man here, who he's dying. He's not going to make it much longer, and he needs someone to r- read him his last rites, to give him last rites. Father O'Malley, would you just come down and, 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 and see him? And so O'Malley, he uh, put his things together, and he drove the 30 minutes down to Auburn from Grass Valley in the middle of the night. When he got there, the the woman met him in the hospital, and she said, um, this fellow's name is is Tom. He he, he comes in here every once in a while for help, but he lives alone in the woods. He lives alone. He's an alcoholic. Well, Tom was cantankerous, rude, ungrateful. Father O'Malley asked Tom if he had anything to confess. (laughs) Absolutely not, was his firm reply. And so Father O'Malley just sat by his bed in that dark, small room, that closed-off little world. He just sat there talking to Tom until the sun came up. And then finally he asked him again, he said, Tom, are you sure that there's nothing that you want to confess? And Tom said, well... Father, when I was young, I did something so bad, I ain't never told anybody about it. I haven't spent a single day since not reliving the horror. See, I was a switch man years ago in Bakersfield. It was two days before Christmas, 32 years, two months, and 11 days ago, two days before Christmas, and so the whole yard was drinking, and I was drunker than most. I volunteered to go out and flip the switch, uh, push the switch for the 830 freight, and I did in the wrong direction. At 45 miles an hour, that freight train slammed into a passenger car at the next crossing. And, well, Father, it killed a a young mother and her husband and their two girls. I've lived with that every day, all these years, ever since. Well, it was quiet after that. Quiet in the room for a long time. Seemed like an eternity. Until Father O'Malley put his hand on Tom's shoulder and said very quietly, Tom, if I can forgive you, God can forgive you. Because in that car was my mother and my father and my two older sisters. You see, that's how the kingdom comes. That's how our Lord conquers. And it hurts. But if we hear his word of peace and, and, and touch his wounds, our doors will never be closed in fear but they will always be open in grace. And the gates of hell, now these are the words of Jesus, not mine, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. In that movie Devil, Detective Bowden gives Anthony a ride home. And check this out, the detective is, is still in prison and Anthony, well, he wonders if he's going to prison.
1: That was my family on Bethlehem Pike. That was my son. I've been waiting for this moment for five years, all the things I'd say to you what I'd do? The thing is, I forgive you. After my mother would finish her story, she would always comfort us. Don't worry, she'd say. If the devil is real, then God must be real too.
0: Israel, God is grace, and God is in control. Martin Luther said, even the devil is God's devil. You see, even the devil is under the sovereign control of our Lord. God is grace. Grace wins. Jesus wins. So have peace and the doors of your heart will remain forever open." That's how he conquers. And so on that night, in that dark room, as the disciples were locked down in fear, he took bread and he broke it, saying, "'This is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me.'" And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Have peace. Dark cups of wine. Like cups of juice, they are both the love of God poured out for you. We call it grace. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and worship. And so, Lord Jesus, we say to you that you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor, Worthy of all glory, for you have done it, which means we didn't do it. You did it. You are worthy, Lamb of God, seated upon the throne. We worship you. And may the doors of this church always remain open. And the doors of our heart always be an invitation, for you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so, um, I really think this is the gospel, this is the good news. Have peace, for your sins are forgiven you. Your debt has been paid. For the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. That's the gospel. I think most of what usually passes for the gospel in our society is candy-coding, candy-coding the gospel for Pharisees, candy-coding the gospel for people who think they can justify themselves in the power of their flesh according to their knowledge of good and evil. But you see, you can't. For the Lamb of God has already taken away the sin of the world. And if you believe that, if you believe that, you will have unquenchable peace, And I'm usually pretty stressed out, so that tells me I haven't quite yet believed it all the way, part of the way. If you believe that, you will have unquenchable peace, and secondly, you will be as generous as Jesus. Which is another reason I know I haven't quite yet totally come to believe that. Doors of your heart will always be open. If you believe that, you will have unquenchable peace, become as generous as Jesus, and if you proclaim that, all debts are canceled, you will be crucified. (laughs) because this world runs on debts and fear and so it shoots messengers of peace and it crucifies messengers of grace but look at his hands look at his side grace wins love wins our God is love and so in Jesus name believe the gospel amen Hey there, I hope the message that you just heard or viewed helped you to believe a little more that God is better than you thought, the love of Jesus is deeper than you know, and the Spirit is everywhere working the wonders of mercy. If that's so, I'd love it if you would consider two things. Number one, ask yourself if there's someone that you know that might benefit from this message and then uh, forward this link onto them. There are several ways that you can do that by visiting our website at thesanctuarydowntown.org. Secondly, I'd love it if you'd uh, take just a moment and uh, ask the Lord if He'd like you to contribute to this endeavor financially. We really can't do this except for the fact that God inspires people like you um, to give. And uh, you can do that by uh, going to the website and clicking on uh, the donate button or uh, by simply mailing a check to the Sanctuary downtown at uh, 2215 West 30th Avenue, Denver, Colorado, 80211. Uh, Thanks for being a part of what we're doing, and God bless you.